Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you, and God bless. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word can go to the deepest part of our heart. Your word carries the power, the grace, and everything in it to accomplish it. So I ask that your word will be spoken today and your people will be blessed. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. The scripture we read, I'm going to start from there a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 15. Uh, talks about the gospel or the good news. Because I'm going to be sharing today on what I call the good news. Uh, Oftentimes, people, you know, forget the reason why we have church, the reason why we have Christianity as a whole, as a faith, is because it is based on the good news. And the Bible here wants us to always keep that in perspective, to make sure that is front and center of our mind, our thoughts. And that's why the writer here says, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preach to you. Because sometimes, because there's so much other news around us, we forget the news. Hallelujah. Uh, You know, and the word gospel simply means the good news. If you read some of the translations, they actually use the word good news. Gospel is actually from an old English word, English word, you know, gospel. Uh, so some of the translation decides actually to just keep it that way. So I say, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you, which you receive. The reason why you are saved is because you receive the good news. And it is by the good news that you are taking your stand. It is by this good news that you are saved. It is very, very important. First of all, it's important to know that God only has good news. All right? God only has good news. The gospel is good news coming from the most important person, which is God. And in fact, uh, I would like to take us to Mark chapter 1 to see how Jesus began his message. Jesus began his ministry, his preaching, by preaching the good news. In Mark chapter 1, which is one of the earlier uh, writings, you know, account of the life of Jesus Christ, chapter 1, verse 4, after John was put in prison, this is after John introduced Jesus, you know, as the Messiah, the Bible says Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. All right? Proclaiming the good news of God. And in verse 15, he says, he explained the good news. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near, repent, and believe the good news. So Jesus went around proclaiming the good news. Now, why was good news necessary? Why was it important for Jesus to tell people the good news? Why is it important to always remind people the good news? It is important because there was bad news. See, there will be no need for good news if there wasn't a bad news. People lived under a bad news. 
before then there was a bad news. And the bad news is sin has robbed us of God's glory. And that's the bad news. The bad news is man was not able to operate at his highest state. The highest state of man is glory. So we fell short because of sin. And that's the bad news. So the bad news is we are, not, we are unable to perform to the maximum level we're supposed to perform. We are unable to be what God wants us to be. We are unable to truly live the kind of life that God wants us to live because of sin. That's the bad news. And Jesus is saying, I have come with the good news. Romans 3.23 says that clearly. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. In fact, I want all of us to read it together. It should be on the screen. Let's go. One, two. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. There is a glorious standard that God has for all of us. Me, you, all of us. He created us in his image. And he created a standard to which we should live, we should operate. We should live our life. Now, sin came and caused us to fall short of that glorious standard. We lost our peace. We lost our relationship with God. In fact, I would like to go back a little bit in that chapter to begin to address some of the consequences of sin. Uh, if you go to Romans chapter 3, which I will, it will be on the screen, I will read a long passage for you. And I want you to just bear with me. In verse 9, he says, For we have already made the charge that, G G that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. That's the bad news. He said we're all under the power of sin. Verse 10 says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Look at that. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away, tongues practice not even one. Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, the poison of vipers is on their lips, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood, ruin and miseries mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This place is listing the consequence of sin. And we can see it all around us. Look at what he says. We are all under its power. The problem of sin is sin enslaves us. He says we are all, both Jews and Gentiles. He's writing in context because he's, you know, his audience. In those days, people were divided into two, Jews and Gentiles. Isn't it amazing that we always divide each other, right? This is 2,000 years ago. That time it was Jews and Gentiles. Now it's different things. It's more than that now. He said both Jews and Gentiles, he's saying we're all under the power of sin. And he says there's no one righteous, not even one. No one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. These are the consequences. He said we have all torn away and we no longer seek him. Isn't that true? We no longer seek him. We've all turned away. We've turned to other things. We've turned to ourselves. 
you know, we've turned to all kinds of things, turned to drug, we've turned to all other things to bring fulfillment. We've turned to entertainment, turned to all things. People turning today to fill in the void of God. And that's, that's what sin does. Sin causes us to abandon the source who is God. Sin causes us to look for fulfillment and pleasure elsewhere. He said, we've all turned away from God and no longer seek him. And he said, we have all become worthless. The problem of sin is it reduces the value of man. So we have become worthless. Isn't that amazing that people feel so worthless today than ever? We live in a generation that is the most prosperous, you know, the most knowledgeable. You know, we live in, the, you know, we, we have access to more things, more, more advancement, more knowledge, more money than any other generation before us. But we feel much more worthless than other generation before us. Suicide rates is up. Right? Drug usage is up. On and on, you look at the account. Why? Because people feel so worthless. There is a sense of hopelessness, lack of purpose that has permeated our environment and our society today. All this because we fell short of God's glory. That's, that's, that's the reason for that. He said, we've become worthless. Now he says, we've become cruel to one another. Isn't that what he says? He said, there's no one who does good anymore. Our throat are open graves. We destroy each other. Tongues practice deceit, very deceitful. Poison of vipers on their leaves. I'm sure you've met a few people like that. Right? Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Cursing has become so acceptable. You know, that's, 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 our, that's, that's what is going on now. He said... Their feet are sweet to shed blood. Look at the amount of killing. Look at the amount of, amount of savage all over the world, almost everywhere you turn to. There's such a desire to shed blood, to kill one another, to be cruel to one another. And he says, ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace, they do not know. We no longer have peace. That's the result of that. We no longer have peace. No matter what we have, we don't have peace. Even rich people don't have peace. People who have access to a lot of things don't have peace. You know why? Because there's no peace with God. When there's no peace with God, there's no peace with any other person. There's no peace with yourself. There's no peace with people around you. He said, the way of peace we do not know. There is no fear of God. Before their eyes. Why all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. Sin has caused us to, and that's the bad news before Jesus came. That's the bad news. Now, the good news comes. How many of us love good news? I wanted to say I love good news. All right. When you hear good news, you love it. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm going to read two verses there. And we're going to hear the good news. And he says, all this is from God. Who reconcile us to himself. 
through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Look at verse 19. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The good news is God is not angry. Wow, I think somebody needs to hear that. Say, God is not angry. God is not mad. He's not going around angry and mad. He's not mad at you. He's not angry at you. He's not an angry God looking to throw people to hell. No, he's a compassionate God looking to rescue people from hell. Looking to rescue people from their sin. Now, if anyone decide to go the other way around, it's not God's fault. That's what he's saying. It's not his fault. He's saying God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ. You see, the coming of Jesus Christ is God's most powerful statement that my arms are open. The coming of Jesus Christ is God's most powerful way of showing us that, you know what, I am now in the business of reconciling people to themselves. To no longer be under the power of sin. To no longer try to seek fulfillment from somewhere else. To no longer feeling worthless. To no longer living a life of cruelty. To no longer living a life that lacks peace and joy and fulfillment. God is saying, my arms are open. He's saying, I am now reconciling the world to myself. And look at what he says, not counting people's sin against them. All right. That means there was a time he was counting people's sin against them. He said, look, this is the good news. I don't know how you felt coming here today. Maybe you feel so unworthy before God. Maybe you feel so, you know, worthless. Maybe you came here feeling so lost. Maybe you came here feeling, how am I ever getting in touch with God? How is God ever going to care for someone as inconsequential as me, as little as me? How can I have peace with God? How can I be assured that, you know, when I leave this earth, I'm going to spend my eternity in heaven. How can I be so sure that God cares for me, God loves me? The answer is in Christ. God is not counting people's sin against them. He's no longer doing that. And he has given us a way of escape. He's reaching out to you with an open hand. We sang that song this morning. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. God is reaching out to you and me with an open arm. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2, he says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. No, he's ear too dull to ear. 
You know, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. It is, you know, it is our refuser that causes us to miss God's glory. And that's what is called sin here. Sin is rejection of God's open arm. That's the ultimate sin. It's rejecting the salvation plan of God. It's rejecting, you know, God's plan of reconciling. Can you imagine, you know, two people having a problem, two people having, you know, maybe a quarrel, and someone says, you know what, I'm ready to reconcile. You know, I'm ready. I'm ready to just, you know, bury the hatchet. I'm ready to just let the past be past and start a new leave. And somebody said, I'm not ready, and walks away. You know, sometimes that's what we do with him by rejecting his offering. That's what we do. By rejecting Jesus Christ, that's exactly what we're doing because Jesus is God's good news that God is no longer counting people's sin against them. All right? And God is ready to reconcile. God is ready to make you to become his child, his son, his daughter. God is ready to give you a new start, a fresh start. And God is ready to infuse you with a new life. A new life that is, you know, that, that is no longer controlled by sin. You know, because we were under the power of sin. But God is ready to give us a new life that is under the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A new righteousness. He makes us righteous in Christ Jesus. God is, no, is ready to, to make us worthy, not worthless. He's ready to give us value through his son, Jesus Christ. He's ready to give us a new heart, not a cruel heart. The Bible says a new heart he will give to us, not a heart of stone. That's what happened when Jesus came into the picture. And I really want to challenge you this morning to accept the good news. And I will, I will go back to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. It says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. And he said, by this gospel, you are saved. You know, what saves us is not trying. What saves us is accepting. Salvation is not what you work for. Salvation is a gift that you receive. And it saddened me that many people reject the precious gift of salvation, which is the good news. I would like to pray with you today as I round up. I'd like to pray with you. If you don't mind, please, I'd like all, all heads bowed and all eyes closed so we can close in prayer. But I would not close without giving you an opportunity to accept that gift. To accept the good news. And to say, wow, I'm ready for that brand new life. I'm ready to reconcile with God. And if you're here, you want me to pray for you. It's very simple. It's just a simple prayer. I'd like you to lift up your right hand so that I can pray for you. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
I think there's more people. I'd like to give you the opportunity. God bless you. God bless you. I'll give you a few more seconds. Any other person in the house? You just, just wave that hand. Let me see it. All right. I want you to take another step of faith. Just rise up where you are. I want to pray so that I know who I'm praying for. Just stand up. You're just standing where you are. Just stand up where you are. And I will pray with you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Any other person, please just rise up. Just rise up where you are. I think there are a few more people. Please, I'll give you two, ten more seconds. Please rise up. Just stand up. Just stand on your feet. I'd like to pray with you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you very much. Thank you for yielding to that invitation. I'd like you to put your hands on your chest. Just put it on your chest and I will just lead you in a prayer. I'll just lead you in prayer. And I'd like you to just repeat after me. I want you to say, Father, I thank you. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you for your care for me. Thank you for your invitation. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, to go to the cross because of my sin. Thank you for extending that offer of reconciliation. Today, I accept that gift, the gift of salvation. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus died and he was buried and he rose because of me. Today, I put my faith absolutely in that offering that Jesus did for me. Thank you, Father. Lord, I also ask that you fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your power. Help me to live a life that pleases you from today. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may have your seat, and I'm going to pray and close. Lord, thank you today. We honor you for wonderful time that we've had in your presence. We commit the rest of the program to your hand. We ask it will be blessed. We ask it will be filled with your presence and your power, and your name will be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.